Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. This is the Traveling Image Makers podcast and I'm your host, Hugo Che. I don't think many people have ever been to Chad. I don't even think many people would be able to pinpoint the location of Chad on a map of the world. However, no location is so remote, inhospitable and dangerous that it is able to scare away somebody who has the thirst for adventure and exploration that my guest for episode 20 of the podcast, Natalia Stone, has. Natalia is a travel photographer based in New York. Her passion for adventure and photography has taken her to over 40 countries and some of the most remote corners of the world. Whether standing on a rim of an active volcano in Ethiopia, photographing the northern lights in Norway or navigating through glacial waters of Greenland, her goal is to capture the moment and tell a story of the incredible treasures our planet holds. If you listen to my interview with Natalia, you will learn all about the wild beauty of the Sahara, the tribes of the Omo Valley, the rock-hewn churches of Lalibela and the harsh life of the salt traders of northern Ethiopia. Enjoy and please remember that you can find all the show notes for this episode at ttim.photo slash 20. Hello Natalia. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I am good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, so you're currently in Moscow, from what I understand. And I yes. uh, just came mm-hmm. back from uh, from a trip uh, in Africa, which about which we will uh, we will talk in a, in a few short minutes. But first of all, I would like you to to introduce yourself to to our audience. Who is Natalia Stone, and what's your story as a photographer? Sure. Uh, well, uh, my name is Natalia Stone, and uh, I am a travel and landscape photographer. Uh, and it all started with me with a passion for uh, travel and storytelling and slowly transitioned into uh, myself becoming a full-time photographer. So um, it's what I love, both travel and photography, and um, I travel and photograph as much as I can. And you are currently in Moscow. Is that where uh, your family is from? or? Yes, so yeah. I was born in Moscow. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the United States. Uh, so I'm currently in Moscow uh, just for some downtime uh, after a month in Africa that I just came back from uh, two days ago. Uh, just to some, get some downtime and uh, see my family, who I don't see a lot. Uh, so uh, just mm-hmm. here for a few days before mm-hmm. my next trip. Just, just cooling down. Uh, especially just cooling down, just recovering. Exactly. <laughs> just recovering. <laughs> From what I, what I hear has been a pretty intense trip to to Africa, and uh, especially to a country that is not not frequently visited or even not frequently named. And I guess not many people know exactly where Chad is. So, can, can you tell us a bit about this country? Uh, why did you decide to go there? What you did there? What were your what you did you discovered? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, it's true. A lot of people uh, don't really hear about Chad, um, and a lot of people have not been there. It's a country in Central Africa. Um, it borders uh, Libya uh, and Algeria on the south. Uh, so uh, one of the reasons that I, w- that I wanted to go there was because it's not uh, very frequently visited. So it's one of those undiscovered locations. 
and it offers opportunities for really unique photographs. And people that live in Chad, um, <clears throat> I mean, they still live the way that they have uh, for centuries. Uh, they ha uh, they're nomadic tribes that um, live in the Sahara. Uh, they primarily travel by uh, camel or, or donkey. Uh, they have cattle, and that's how they survive. So to me, it was a very fascinating place to discover, and that is the reason why I uh, decided to go there. Um, and I, I think it's a rather undeveloped country, at least from a point of view of a tourism infrastructure and so on. There, there isn't much there. Correct me if I'm wrong. So what what kind of uh, arrangements did you make to to get there to where did you stay at? How did you move around? Did you go around with camels or you had other means of transport? Uh, so we had uh, two SUVs uh, and we drove. Uh, I mean, it's basically off-roading uh, and driving on, on sand dunes, which is uh, pretty difficult if you don't know what you're doing. But uh, luckily I had uh, local help on the ground um, or helping organize the trip. Uh, we had really good drivers uh, that knew how to navigate because, you know, you're driving on dunes. There are basically no roads. Uh, so uh, unless you grew up in the area, there's no way to get around. Mm -hmm. uh, and in addition to that, you have to make sure that you bring enough water, enough food. Uh, there are some uh, water wells or water holes that the locals use. But once again, you have to know where they are because sometimes the entire day you're driving and you don't see anybody uh, it's a very remote region. Um, there, there are some really small towns, but like I mentioned, uh, you maybe get there uh, every two, three days where you can uh, buy some more supplies. Is the country... So it's, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so it's, so it's definitely not an easy place. Uh, so we traveled by SUVs. Uh, we slept in tents. Uh, there are no campgrounds, so you just basically sleep. Uh, wherever you can, you try to find the adequate shelter from the wind because the winds in the Sahara can be quite brutal um, and you cannot drive at night because it's too dangerous there's no road and um, if you get stuck then you can there's nobody uh, coming get, to, in, get, in, get in trouble so, get uh, so yeah so, it's, uh, so it was two weeks of a pretty intense trip in that sense uh, lots of driving uh, we got stuck on the sand so uh, our drivers knew how to uh dig the car out like the, so they would deflate the tires so they couldn't rock the car back and forth and once again it's a specialized car it's a 4x4 four four, so, uh, but still it would still get stuck um, quite often so um, deflate the tires and then push as much as you can and mm -hmm. you know have a shovel so sometimes it would take up to 30-40 minutes in some rough spots to uh, dig the car out so and that's the whole day of uh, basically non-stop Digging it out, uh, or is the is the country, is the country mostly or completely desertic, or there are more um, in the northern areas? part? Yes, so uh, so it's a really big country. It's actually a third. Uh, the size is a third of Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, to travel, so we flew into Jemena, which is the capital. Uh, it's in the southwest. Uh, it's actually uh, close to Lake Chad, which is a huge lake in Africa. But currently, that place um, uh, is not safe to go to for uh, for Westerners because of Boko Haram. So we did not go there. Uh, so we just continued to drive to the Sahara region. So the southern part is different. Uh, it's 
um, has more greenery. It's not exactly the desert, but then uh, the place that I went to, which is the northeastern part, um, basically to the border of Libya almost, mm -hmm. uh, that's essentially all of it is Sahara. Um, and, you know, what's fascinating about the desert, like personally, I really love the desert, um, is that it's not all the same. It's not just, you know, dunes and dunes and dunes for miles and miles, and that's it. They're actually rock formations. They're desert lakes, which are really just mind-blowing. Um, you know, they're mountains. Uh, they're, of course, dunes and different colors of sand. I mean, the place is just truly, truly beautiful. And uh, frankly, uh, even though I was there for about two and a half weeks, I wish that uh, it was a longer trip. So when I come back to Chad, which I definitely want to do, um, I'm going to plan a much longer trip just because logistically it takes you so long to get from a place to place. Um, you want to enjoy like the specific places a little bit longer. And how are the people there? Are they mostly nomadic tribes or there are more settlements, permanent ones? How, how, how does it work? Um, Yeah, there are some settlements, uh, there are some towns, uh, they're not really heavily populated. Um, so there are a few towns, but mostly it's nomadic tribes. Um, the people are just absolutely amazing, uh, I think partially because it's not a really touristic place. Um, they're just uh, really raw and authentic, like you can, mm -hmm. you can sense that they still live the way that they have been living. Um, and they're extremely, extremely friendly. They're obviously very curious about, um, you know, white people. And some of them have never seen a white person, especially children. Um, so they're extremely curious and just uh, really, really nice, uh, really open, nice energy. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed Chad. Uh, like all of, all of the people were quite amazing. Um, so that was That was a really big part of it. Do you need someone yeah. who speaks Arabic or do most people speak French? Uh, being a, a country, I think it was a French colony at some, some point. Yeah, so it's, uh, so it's a French colony. So uh, French and Arabic are both official languages, but uh, they, they also have other languages uh, that came from uh, different uh, tribes, uh, if you will, that live in the area. Uh, right now, I'm forgetting the names of those languages, but they have several. Um, so the the guide, the local guide that we had on the ground, uh, he spoke uh, something like five or six languages. Um, so you know, French. So they study French uh, in school, and you know, they study Arabic as well because it's a Muslim country. So yeah. uh, Arabic is required as well. So and then they have. You know the local language from whatever people they came from, and uh, which is similar to another local language. So typically they speak uh, several languages, uh, and uh, so our driver and the guy they spoke uh, neither French nor Arabic. They spoke some other language. I, I just forget mm -hmm. the name right now. So uh, I was hoping to uh, brush up on my French, but <laughs> not so much luck. So. Is, is that an area where you can see much uh, rock art, petroglyphs, those kind of things, or, or not? They, they, do, they do have petroglyphs uh, in there. Uh, we did see one place uh, where they had those. Uh, they were quite interesting. Uh, well, the, uh, I mean, the, personally for me, the thing with petroglyphs, uh, you know, you never know like, how old they really are. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not as uh, impressed by them. Um, 
because you know you, you don't know like who painted them or how long ago. Um, so, but the ones that I saw, they were they were they were they were very interesting. Uh, deep in a cave, uh, pictures of uh, giraffes and lions, because you know the Sahara used to be a savanna back in the day. So yeah. that was pretty cool to see. Uh, but I was primarily there to photograph uh, landscapes and the people. So that was my primary goal. Yeah. And uh, you were traveling with a group. Were they all interested in photography? Yes, I was traveling. So there was five of us, uh, including myself, five photographers. Um, uh, photographers slash people who just love to travel. So they're not all professional photographers. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, trips like this, it's really practically impossible to do by yourself. Uh, I mean, definitely, you definitely need somebody local on the ground to know what they're doing because this is Africa. It's a third world country. It's not necessarily 100% safe in all of the places for Westerners. So you really like have to have a local person, and that I would say that that's one of the most important things. So, so you basically said, okay, I'm, I want to go to Chad. Who, who wants to come with me? Was that was that more of a formal kind of, uh, of setup? Exactly. So uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a network of friends. They're actually uh, Russian friends, Russian photographers, mm -hmm. um, who are just as crazy about traveling to uh, you know really far away places like myself. Yeah. So a, lot, a lot of people, you know, they don't really, um, they're not really into that. <laughs> so uh, luckily enough, uh, there were four other people that wanted to do it, and um, so we did it, and the, it, it was. A really really great experience even though it was difficult both physically and emotionally so i'm really fortunate that i know people like that yeah i can imagine so you, you said you you would like you really like to to go back and you actually are planning to go back there um i i, I don't have any concrete plans mm -hmm. yet so uh because so, so the like most of africa they have the rainy season and, and the dry season <laughs> So uh, right now we're at the tail end of the dry season. Uh, so it gets really, really hot in, uh, in April and May. Um, so just unbearably hot. So that's not a good time to go. So mm -hmm. the best time to go is our winter. So, so maybe next winter, I mean, who knows what the, what the, what the future holds. And uh, another thing with uh, countries like this, it's an extremely unstable region in the sense of uh, uh, just you know, the political climate and everything else. And you just never know how it's going to change. Um, you know, they had wars. Uh, Chad was just recently open to tourism a couple, like a few years ago. So, uh, so you, you never, you just never know what the future will hold. So uh, I definitely really want to go back, but when it will happen, you know, mm -hmm. time will tell. Yeah, it's definitely a, one of those places that are still on, on the frontier, so to speak. It's uh yeah, definitely. I mean, it borders Libya. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see. Uh, I, I posted just a few pictures. Mm. Yeah, I saw them. But I could while in a layover uh, before flying to Mali. So, uh, so they they still have remnants of war in the Sahara. Uh, all of the tanks from um, about twenty five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's still like skeletons in there, and you know there's certain minefields in certain areas. So you have to be wary of that as well. So. Uh, I think there was a war between Libya and Chad. The Lib yeah, yeah, the Libyan Chad war. Uh, I believe that was nineteen mid eighties or mid to late eighties. Mm -hmm. um, not sure the exact dates, but uh, you can still see all the tanks. 
So anyway, a very positive experience. You would you would classify it as that? Yes, uh, very very good experience. Um, also for me, um, the reason why I love travel is not just to see amazing places and um, experience the world. It's uh, to open myself up to uh, other cultures, but also uh, when you are faced with a challenging trip like this one. I feel like it's a very good place for, for self-growth and uh, self-exploration as well. So, um, you know, when, when you're faced with certain challenges or taken out of your comfort zone, uh, you're, you're just for, forced to change and adapt and grow. And uh, you come out of it, maybe you're exhausted. <laughs> but uh, you come out of it, you look back, you're like, wow, you know, it was actually a very, very good experience in that sense as well. So... Yeah, definitely. I can definitely understand that. It's uh, it's true travel. I mean, it's not just tourism. You go to a resort. It's, yeah, and... it's, it's not just tourism. I mean, as much as I love to uh, go to Italy and have a nice glass of wine and just relax, <laughs> uh, trips like this, I feel like they change you as a person. Uh, they make you see the world in a different way and your, your own life in a different way as well. Like everything kind of falls into perspective. And for everybody, it's different. Uh, everybody changes and grows at a different pace and discovers things differently. So, um, so another awesome place you've been to, um, which is uh, in, in recent years has become a little more popular and definitely you hear about that more often than Chad would be Ethiopia. So I was reading Ethiopia. this article of yours uh, uh, about Ethiopia. Can you tell us a bit about this, this country and uh, what's so great about it? Of course. Well, uh, so Ethiopia. Uh, I mean, it's not as it's it's not as uh, um, what's the word? It's Often. not it's not that difficult. Yeah, it's, it's yes. not that difficult to get to it uh, as chat is. Uh, but what's fascinating about Ethiopia for me is how diverse it is. So um, you know, chat is amazing. It's uh, the Sahara, it's the trip itself, uh, it's fascinating. Ethiopia is just so diverse. Uh, there's an amazing volcano um, in the north of Ethiopia. Uh, you can hike literally to the rim of the, of the caldera, and you can see lava boiling un like, under your feet, and you hear it, and you know there's fumes and gases that come up, and you can hardly breathe. It just was such a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and that's actually the reason why I decided to go to Ethiopia was when I saw a photograph of that volcano. I just immediately decided I must go there. So I, so I went, but besides, besides the volcano, um, it's just so fascinating and amazing. Uh, and there's so many different places that you can visit. You know, there's Ladibella, which is... Uh, Ethiopian uh, Christians from the 10th century that uh, still practice uh, the same way that they have. Uh, and just such a beautiful place. Uh, in the south, there are uh, Ethiopian tribes uh, with uh, lip plates and, you know, rings and weapons. And it's just absolutely crazy. And they still, uh, same as in Chad, they still live the way that they have for for centuries and just so raw and authentic it's not like they dress up for tourists and put up a lip plate in their lips you know so uh, yeah, that, that would have been my, my question actually so i was uh, looking at your photos of the people of the i think it's called the omo valley from the omo, the omo yeah, yeah the, the omo the omo valley in the south yeah and there's those tribes that are uh, still very much following the their tribal uh, um 
traditions and uh, they paint their bodies and they have those ornaments and uh, lip discs and so on but uh, so you, you said this is really authentic i mean those people uh, is their day-to-day life the way they they actually wear they, they don't just dress up for tourists that's what I they, mean. they they don't just dress up for tourists uh, i mean I, I think it would be far far a stretch to uh Stretch out, stretch out your lips and ears <laughs> <laughs> every day. <laughs> oh, but maybe the bodily paint. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's their tradition. Um, and that's how they live. Uh, they're obviously, so Ethiopia is a little bit more touristy than Chad. In Chad, uh, we did not see a single tourist or white person for uh, two weeks. And uh, only about 500 people a year, especially in recent years, visit those, those uh, that region of the Sahara. So uh, m- more people actually go, go to the base camp of Everest uh, per year than to Chad. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, more of a faraway place. But yeah, Ethiopia, there are other tourists there. Um, not It's obviously not a super frequently visited place, but uh, they, you know, they are there. And it's still but, not, yeah, it's still but, not but some places are not easy to, to reach. Uh, the, the places are not easy to reach, and uh, it's not Ethiopia is an more it's an easier trip than Chad, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still not easy. It's extremely extremely hot. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's about forty degrees Celsius uh, in the north, uh, and during the day, like right after sunrise, like about a, about an hour after, it's just absolutely impossible to be outside. Uh, your body does acclimate, but you're also staying uh, in the north. You're not staying in hotels. You're staying in a small village, and you're sleeping basically under the stars. So during the day, you're just kind of just lying there and waiting for your body to acclimate, which it does, but still, it's not easy. Uh, and in the south, yeah, we did stay in hotels. Once again, it's not, you know, I would not even call it a one-star. You were lucky if you had uh, running water. <laughs> um, so you you. So- you need to be flexible and adaptable. Exactly. So to so so that's the that's the downside of a trip like that. So you have to be ready to yeah be flexible and adaptable, and you basically have to tell yourself, well, it's okay. You know, I'm here for three weeks, and I will bear with the fact that I may not be able to take a shower today, or I will bear with the fact that you know I probably won't be able to charge my camera camera batteries. Uh, you know. Sometimes the electricity is uh, run by generators, and uh, they turn it off at 6 p.m. So it's just the name of the game. But um, you know, if you're if you embrace it, uh, and I feel like you kind of have to. If you embrace it and just say, "Well, it's okay," you know, it is what it is, and embrace the the heat uh, and the mosquitoes and everything else, uh, then you will discover a completely mind blowing, fascinating country. Uh, that a lot of people uh, have not seen. And as you said, there's a lot of variety. So also from a photographic point of view, that there's so so much. I mean, you're going from uh, tribes that follow ancient uh, traditions and they paint their bodies and dress up in uh, in various ways. Uh, and in each tribe is different. I was looking at your photos. There were uh, many different tribes there can be identified by the way they they paint their bodies or they are, uh, do those uh, ceremonial scars on their skin and so on. And then you go to Lalibela, which is completely different. I mean, you got those uh, uh, Orthodox 
Christian priests in those uh, churches excavating in the rock, and we have uh, those uh, medieval traditions that are completely different. And then uh, you go up to the north, and yeah, I was also looking at your um, reading your account of that, and there's those people that whose main activity is uh, was that excavating salt from salt mines. So it, it must be a really tough life. Can you maybe say something about that? Sure. Uh, well, yeah, like you're absolutely right. Uh, just to add, the, the reason why Ethiopia is fascinating is because it's so diverse. And I, I've only been to really three regions, but there are other places there that, that are super interesting. And that, that, that is one of the reasons that I cannot wait to go back. It's, uh, I'll go back as, as soon as I can. Uh, but to add uh, about the people living in the north, uh, so similar to the tribes in the south, they still live uh, like they have been. Uh, they excavate soil by hand, and it's extremely hot. It's about uh, 40 degrees Celsius uh, in the winter, and it's about 60 degrees Celsius in the summer. So that's really, really extreme heat, and they work, and uh, there's no shade. It's kind of a deserty landscape, uh, and the place is called the, the Nikel Depression, so it's uh, below the sea level. So it's very, very hot, uh, extremely difficult conditions. They um, essentially use, uh, I don't think I have a photograph uh, online of that, but uh, so they have like essentially Stone Age tools. Uh, and they, uh, I mean, it's not really a salt mine, it's a salt flat. So they um, kind of chisel pieces of the salt and make it into bricks, load it on camels, and then it's about a three-day, one-way uh, trip to the nearest towns, I uh, forget the exact number of kilometers, uh, but it's quite far, so it's all in extreme heat, and then, uh, so they offload the camels, and essentially they don't make that much money, it's something like $5 per camel, um, I mean, it's a, just crazy numbers, and then they walk back, yeah. and uh, there's a small village next to the salt flats where uh, women and children live, and all the men work. And it's constant back and forth, and uh, but that's how that's the only way to survive in in the region. Uh, there's really nothing else. So um, yeah, in, in those conditions, it, it, there's probably no agriculture or cattle herding uh, of any note. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it's a pretty extreme place, and it really hits you when you go there, and you know you yourself realize how hot it is, and that's in the winter. So I was there in February of last year. And it's even hotter in the summer. Uh, and, you know, just from myself, you know, getting there and during the day, you just uh, like a zombie. Like you can't even think. You're just like trying to lie down in the shade and waiting for the heat to subside. But they're actually working the entire day in the heat. So uh, I could not even fathom what it's like to, you know, to live there. But, you know, they... That's their livelihood, and that's where they grew up, and uh, that's how they survive and feed their families. So there's not much of a choice for them, uh, but it's definitely not an easy life, uh, you know, that's yeah. for sure. Sure. So uh, extreme heat, as you said, but uh, maybe we can now talk about a place that's, that is just a little bit cooler. So can you tell us a bit about your, your next trip, your upcoming uh, journey? Yes, of course. So, yeah, so it's funny. So I'm just recovering from Africa where it's really hot. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, going to the other extreme, 
so in a couple of days, I'm leaving uh, Moscow uh, to go to Iceland, um, which is one of my favorite countries. I've been there uh, four times. So it's going to be my fifth uh, time there. And uh, I'm going to uh, photograph the Northern Lights and just basically drive around and uh, kind of play it by ear since the weather in Iceland is very unpredictable. So you yeah. just never know. Uh, so the, the Northern Lights are unpredictable as well. I know, I, I know unfortunately. <laughs> so, so, it's like, so, yeah, so it's like the double unpredictability. So uh, so I'm just renting a car and uh, going to drive around and the see where it happens and hopefully I get lucky. But uh, so it's one of those things that you see once and it's just so mind boggling. No photograph, no video can ever describe what it's like to stand under the lights and just, you're just in complete awe. Uh, It's just so, so amazing. So, uh, so I decided um, uh, stop over there for about 10 days and the, and, and see what happens and hopefully see the lights again. Yeah, so. I was, I'm looking at my app. I have an app here on my on my phone to predict the, the activity, solar activity in Northern Lions. Looks like it's, uh, it's pretty intense for tonight, but then it's going to, to go down a bit in the following days. So I hope all the best for, for you and your chances to, to see them. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yes, I'm sure I'll, I'll need all the luck I can get. And, uh, you know, you never know. So last year I was actually in Norway as well. And uh, I, uh, there was a really, really strong uh, solar storm. So the Northern Lights uh, are rated from zero to nine. And there was something uh, around 8.8. So that was, so I got really lucky with that. Um, But I had to drive 12 hours to Finland to, uh, to get a clear sky so that was physically very demanding but uh definitely one of the best nights of my life of my life so um hopefully in iceland i get a similar experience but you, you never know but the the northern lights they're quite elusive <laughs> yeah when i when i was recently in norway we had clear skies but no northern lights Activity yeah, yeah. That the, on the on the scale it was at about one <laughs> so there, there wasn't much to see yeah i mean it's always like that right it's either cloudy and it's amazing but you can't see it or it's uh clear skies and it's like level one or yeah. zero and you're just like whoa come on now <laughs> something is, something in the middle <laughs> is, is that again a group trip you have people going with you there or it's more of a solo no it's actually it's actually a solo trip uh so i'm just going by myself I'm sure I will probably run into uh, other photographer friends because it feels like everybody descends on Iceland and Norway uh, in the winter to see the Northern Lights. So, um, and I know of a couple of people that are going to be there. So maybe I'll, uh, you know, cross paths with them. But, uh, but no, it's actually a solo trip. Um, I mean, I really enjoy traveling solo as well. Um, you know, I love traveling with friends, but traveling solo is a little bit different. Uh, good and bad like you're obviously by yourself so you have to drive by yourself and you're tired but then you have to shoot the lights but then you just do whatever you want uh, you go wherever you want and it's kind of a good uh, meditative experience um, to just enjoy and take in the nature so so it's, uh, I kind of had both both of those in, in this uh, particular trip so in Africa um, I was with other people and uh, in Iceland I'll be by myself Good. So, 
It was really, really interesting to hear you talking about those places, um, especially Chad, which, uh, as I said, is not on anybody's radar, more mostly. So it's great to have a, a perspective, some interesting information, useful information about that country that uh, would benefit anyone who, who would like to go there or would like to, to go anywhere in Africa. I mean, I, I guess the similar situations in other countries. So thank you for, um, for your insights. Of course, I'm, ha I'm happy to share uh, all my experiences. Uh, I definitely think that more people should, uh, should go there. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. So be before we, we close our conversation, uh, where can people go to find more about Natalia Stone online? Sure. Well, you can find me at uh, nataliastone.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, it's pretty easy to find me, uh, uh, Natalia Stone. Uh, and yeah, if, uh, if anybody would, uh, has any questions about some of the places that I've been to, uh, I would love to uh, give some advice, uh, you know, and connect uh, them with, uh, you know, some people on the ground. Uh, so yeah, so reach out if you have any questions for me and I would love to uh, answer them. Great. We will put all the links in the, in the blog post uh, uh, pointing to your site and your various online presences. So... I would like to thank you for being our guest today. It's been really inspiring and, uh, and interesting. So all the best for your next trips. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, it, was, it was great to be on your podcast. And thank you so much for having me. You're very much welcome. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye.